Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. And that really leads into our vision series. I, I hope you've been enjoying the vision series. Uh, I've been enjoying just my own personal study and just walking through it. You know, as a worship pastor, I've, I've been around vision series a long time. I've, I've written songs for pastors about vision series. Uh, I've built props. I've painted sets for vision series. Uh, you're welcome, Pastor Michael. I didn't make you do any of those things. So just I've been around it a lot, and I love it. But this, uh, this series, it's really just lit me up in my personal time with the Lord walking through. Because I know that the Lord, he's leading us, and he's guiding us, and he's preparing us for this new new season that he has for me, for all of us, for Shoreline, for Seattle, and for the world. It is an exciting time to be alive. But we need to be careful that we look where we're going. Isn't that important? How many of you have ever been with a student driver? Right? You're going, I want them to see where they're going. I want them to know. I want to have confidence in that. And so that's why as we started this vision series, week number one was about who? God, somebody listened to a podcast. Thank you. So uh, the free, week one was about God because vision, it begins with God. It begins with looking and seeing, and we looked into that word, and we realized that vision is about that word that comes from God to us to be communicated, and in that process, it establishes the relationship that we have with God. It's a powerful thing. And then last week, we talked about us and we use the analogy from Peter when he talked about that we are living stones that the Lord creates and that he places us and that Jesus is the cornerstone and that everything, it, everything is placed on the basis of that. And that sometimes in that process, we have to be shaped. How many remember the mason hammer I talked about last week, right? And if you've ever been around, you're like, ouch, I know, that hurts. But I know in my life, there's times that the fit's been a little bit difficult and the Lord begins to shape me. And he begins to fashion me, and he begins to place me in. And when you're in that place, there's nothing like it. Amen? Where you just find it, you're like, Lord, yes, this is what you have made me and created me to do. But I want to encourage you in that process that you, you yield yourself to that process with the Lord. That you allow the Lord to speak to you in that. Because just because there's not a good fit sometimes, it doesn't mean that you're in the wrong place. Amen? Just because sometimes if you're walking to a place and you're a little uncomfortable and you're like, maybe this is not for me, not necessarily. There have been places that God has led me into where I've not been comfortable because the Lord had to shape me a little bit. He had to fashion me a little bit. He had to bring some growth to my life and then everything locked in and I thank the Lord that I didn't just jump ship on that. Have you ever been in a place where you're like, thank God I didn't jump ship on that? I didn't want to miss that boat, okay? So that was last week. This week, we're talking about our city. We're talking about our neighborhood. And so there's going to be a little bit of echoing from what we talked about the neighborhood series. But this is so essential. We got a word from the Lord. And then last week, we're talking about us, how he's shaping us. Now we're moving on to our city. And as we look at our city, we're going to look at the vision that God has given us. This is the vision that God has given us. He's given us two big, uh, two great things. And we can go ahead and put those, uh, those scriptures up there, please. Uh, as we look at them. He's given us two great things. The first one is the great what? Commandment. The great commandment. And here's what it says. Would you read this with me? Let's read together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's a pretty great thing, isn't it? And we're going to talk more about that here in a little bit. The other great thing that God has given us is the Great Commission. Say that with me. Great Commission. Great Commission. Do you know that the majority of Christians in churches today, when asked if they knew what the Great Commission was, they couldn't tell you what it is? So that's why I'm pausing here. This is the Great Commission. This is the last words that Jesus said to his disciples. Let's read this together, the Great Commission. Read with me. Go into all the world and make disciples. What that, what, what, and what do we call that? It's like I'm preparing you for a test, right? It's like my teaching credentials are on the line here. So It's, it's the Great Commission. This is the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples, that when he looked at him, he said, Look, guys, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. That's what we're about. Here at Shoreline Community Church, this is the word that God has given us. He's written it down. He's spoken it to us. He has reiterated it so many times. We're about the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your strength, everything in us. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And we're about the great commission. It's all about making disciples. So as we dive into this today, we're going to be looking at these and we're going to be focusing on three things. We're going to be focusing on the command, which is the command is to love. And then we're going to look at our neighborhood and look at how it's changing and what God is doing in our neighborhood. And then we're going to look at our response. Because when the Lord speaks to us, when the Lord reveals something to us, there's a responsibility to respond, isn't it? Our authenticity, the legitimacy of what we say in following Christ is often played out in how we respond. See, my legitimacy as a dad is not in my title. It's in how I love my kids. My legitimacy in how I behave as a husband is not in a title. It's in how I respond to my wife. That makes sense, isn't it? Right? So this is very important that we look at these things today. So let's begin by looking at the command. So that first command is the command to love. And if you have your listening guide in in the bulletin today, I encourage you to follow along. And maybe I'll follow that a little bit today. We'll see what happens, okay? But first of all, it's the command that we talked about. We know this pretty well. We've been talking about this. So if you've been around here for the last couple of years, I feel like we talk about this all the time. This is the command, but we need to be reminded. Because the command is to love God and your neighbor. And again, Jesus is reiterating, we need to love God with how much? Everything. See, following God, it's, about, it's a surrender of our life. It's not just a title, but it's the actions that we do, and it begins with loving God with everything that is in us. And even that first part of it, to, you know, you shall love the Lord your God. That way every rabbi pray that three times a day. This goes back to the Ten Commandments. It's the first commandment, that you are to love the Lord your God. This is essential. See, loving God is everything, and it's the motivation. It's the thing that motivates us, and it's the thing that sustains us. See, loving God is the part that it, it actually changes us. It's the power of the gospel. But it, because it's not just about following rules, it's about love. See, following after God is not about just following a bunch of rules. See, rules will only get you so far. It's about that love relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. See, think about it like this way I love basketball, but I don't play basketball just so that I can follow the rules of basketball. Right? Now, do I, is it important to know the rules of basketball? 
Yes, I play with people that it seems like they don't know any of the rules of basketball, okay? But knowing the rules, if you want to have fun, and pick the sport, pick the game. I love playing music, but you need to know the rules of it. But I don't play music just so I can abide by good theory or good rules. I play music, I play basketball because I love it. There's expression, there's a relationship with it going on. I, I play basketball because I love playing with the people that I play with. It is fun for me. I play music because I enjoy playing with, with the people that I play with and building that relationship. This is how it is with God, but it always begins with love. And then God said in this that, look, if you say that you love God, you will love your neighbor. See, Jesus, he brought the two hands together and said, it's this. If you love God, you will love your neighbor. And he said, everything connects on this. Loving God and loving your neighbor, they cannot be separated. As a matter of fact, he even went on and said that loving your neighbor, it reveals your love for God. Because if I can't love you, how can I love God? You're made in the image of God. Now, there are people easy to love like Pastor Steve. Well, that's an easy one, right? Right, Melora? She's like, um, so. It's easy for me, Pastor Steve, so. But there are tough people in our life that make it tough to love. Don't point to them until after they buy you lunch, okay? But there are people in our lives that's a little difficult. And what Jesus is saying is that if you can't love the person next to you, how can you love God? Because they're made in their image. He's, everyone around us is the Imago Dei. It's the masterpiece. All of you are masterpieces. And we all reflect that piece of God in everything that we do. This is essential in what we do. Jesus even said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So that's the great commandment. And then we also have this part of our vision, which is essential. It's the great commission. And the great commission is what? What's the great commission? So I'm going to send all those survey people here now to ask you about it. We're going to bump up that percentage, okay? The great commission is to go and make disciples. It's that love for God and our neighbor is revealed in our actions of what we do. See, a love for God and our neighbor, it fuels the Great Commission. When the love of God is in us, we will be longing to have conversations where we're sitting down with people. We're walking them through. Discipleship is that process where it comes both ways, and it's as you go. See, discipleship isn't always about a program. You know, programs are good where we sit down and we walk it out and we talk it out. But discipleship just simply means it's as you go in the everyday part of life. My dad did a lot of discipling with me when we went fishing. My dad did a lot of discipling with me when we would go for walks down the trail. My dad did a lot of discipling with me as he was teaching me to play the saxophone or the trumpet. He had a background in the Salvation Army band, so we had every band instrument in our house. And as we were going, we weren't just talking about fishing. We weren't just talking about music. We weren't just talking about those types of things. This is where life comes up. It's in these moments, it's in that proximity to my dad that I was discipled. And I'll tell you this too, that a lot of people that I've entered into a discipleship relationship with, they were teaching me things. Because you're not only discipling somebody, but you're also being discipled. And often the things that you teach, you know the best because you've had to apply yourself and you've had to dig deep in it. This is why discipleship is so important. And I think it's also important to note that the reason why my dad discipling me was so easy as we were fishing because my dad was in love with Jesus. Now, was my dad a perfect man? I know that you don't know him, but he wasn't a perfect man. There were challenges that he had. But even in that, he discipled me. 
I'll never forget the time when something happened and my heart was broken. I was in high school and something happened that broke me deep. It was almost, and if you're new, I cry sometimes. So, <laughs> But it was almost like I felt a snap in my heart, something that happened. Have you ever experienced that? It's just this thing, and it was almost like a snap. I can still remember that moment. And I walked away from my dad. I went to my bedroom. I didn't slam the door. I just closed the door. And I laid on my bed, and I was broken. You know what my dad did? He came in, and he sat on the bed. He put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry for that. I was wrong. Was my dad discipling me in that moment? You better believe it. He was discipling me in how to apologize. You see what I'm, what I'm getting at here? It's in these moments of life, that being vulnerable, that being real. Now, in the great stat sheet of who's wrong more, my dad or me, I'm wrong more than my dad is. So let me just put that out there, okay? <laughs> he's, he's so right more often than I am. But in that vulnerability, do we ever make mistakes? Are we ever wrong? How many here you've ever been wrong in your life? Okay. Maybe you need to turn the person next to you now and go, I'm so sorry. <laughs> whatever happened for that argument, for picking a bad coffee shop this morning, whatever it is, okay? Whatever happened to you on the way here. It's that day by day, moment by moment discipleship. And my dad was really good at tying it back to Jesus. This is discipleship. It's as we go. Because, see, when we're in love with the Lord, we naturally talk about it. You naturally talk about the things that you care about. Whatever is important to you, you talk about it. It comes out. I don't need to worry about what's important in your life. If you were to visit my house, you would know immediately that I love jazz music because you would walk into it and you would hear jazz music going on. Okay? We know what we love. We know what the people around us love. It needs to be that love of Jesus filling us up. This is how Shoreline Community Church came here. It came here because there were people in the area way back when, over 80 years ago, and they were looking at our community, and they saw children running around that didn't know Jesus. So they started Sunday school, and they bought a piece of property that we now call the hub, and they said, we love Jesus. We want them to be reconnected. So they reached out to them because they loved them. And they began discipling these children, and now we have Shoreline Community Church, a lighthouse in this community. And so many other churches in the area have stories like that, of people reaching out, going above and beyond, giving sacrificially because they love the Lord and they want a disciple. They want a disciple. It's the love of God. It's that great commandment. We love God with everything because we do. We love our neighbor, and that compels us to now do what? To make disciples. In a class, doing a Bible study, when you're out having coffee together, when you're walking down the road, when you're fishing, whatever you do, whoever you're with, you're sharing the gospel in that way. And see, this brings us to our neighborhood. Because as we look at this, there are people that we are gathered here today, and it's amazing, but the majority of our neighborhood is far from God. And our neighborhood is growing like crazy. Have you seen the changes that are happening here? 185th, this little street that's out here in front of us, this is now being called by the city of Shoreline the Central Spine because it's getting ready to grow. If you go two blocks down this way, you'll see how they've already begun constructing the Link Light Rail. If you are in Seattle and you've not heard of the Link Light Rail, you need to become aware (laughs) of what's happening. 
Over 13,000 people are projected to be coming into this area. When you look up and down the street, you'll see homes that have been bought, and in the place, you'll see five, six, seven-unit condos being built out, three, four stories tall. When, the, when those ladies started that Sunday school decades ago, they could have never dreamed that Seattle would one day be coming here. See, the place that we are in now, this is a place that people used to leave Seattle in order to vacation. The home that we have, our home is a 1940s uh, home that every day I'm doing something to help fix it a little bit. But that was built as a vacation home, vacation cabin. And now the city of Seattle is on our door. It is here. This is our neighborhood. It is growing. And I got to tell you, for me as a pastor, there's nothing more exciting than seeing uh, more opportunities to share the love of Christ. But we need to recognize and we need to pay attention to the lesson that God is teaching us in this. See, transportation, transit, radically changes a neighborhood. Because when people have transportation to areas that they were previously isolated from, whether it's because of transportation or economics, whatever it is, now affordable transportation, it allows them to get access to the services and the things that they need. Better paying jobs, support services, friendships. In a few years, I'll be able to get on the link light and go down to the airport and pick up my son coming home from college. And if you're listening, please come home soon. <laughs> if you're looking at the slider, there's a slide up. This is an artist's rendition of I-5 and 185th. So if you just walk down, this is that bridge that goes over, and that's the link light station with condos and apartments behind it. This is our neighborhood. This is how it's changing. It is growing and is exciting. See, access changes everything. The picture in front of us, what's happening out here, there's going to be a widening of the road. There's going to be transit lanes, bike lanes. It's going to change from being just houses to where businesses on the bottom and then apartment buildings on top. If you've been to Lake City Way or any neighborhoods like that, that's what they're projecting for Shoreline. This is what they're projecting right outside our doorstep. And I know change is difficult for us. But for me, again, from that pastor, from that eternal perspective, I'm like, Lord, you are bringing people here to reconnect them with you. And we need to get ready. We need to be prepared for it. But we need to think about this, about how much having access to something changes a neighborhood. And we need to look at, 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 as it relates to us, do people have good gospel access, access to the gospel? How connected is our community to the gospel? And because, as we've just read, and as we've been studying and looking at, is that Jesus has chosen us, all of us, the body of Christ, the church. We are the body of Christ as the people. It's not just the building, but all of us. Does our community have good access? Because we know if there's a bad connection with the body of Christ, it often confuses and keeps people away from having a connection to God. This is the methodology that Jesus has chosen. This is the methodology that he lived out. So we need to ask the question that as it relates to our neighborhood, those around us, the greater city of Seattle and Shoreline, how does our neighborhood feel about the church? Have you ever asked a non-church attender, a non-Christian that question? What do you think about church? It's one of my favorite questions to ask. But you got to have a lot of mojo built up inside. <laughs> Especially when they go, you're a pastor. 
All right, you ready? <laughs> Let me have one more little sip of my uh, latte here before you unload on me. I've actually found people to be very gracious and very, um, very warm and very welcoming of that kind of question, you know. So let me just give you some stats first. When you look at the stats for our area right here, in our area, 48% say that they believe in God. And if you look in your, in your notes, you'll have links there for This is from, from the Pew Forum as well as Barna Studies. But in our area, 48% say that they believe in God. Now, that doesn't mean they have a belief in God, a following. But they, they believe there is a God out there, okay? 48% believe that there is a God. And of that, 25% claim that they attend church, any kind of a church. So we're cut in half with the belief, and then we're cut in half again of those who say that they attend any kind of a church. And then getting even smaller, when asked how many participate in prayer, and if you've been around or thinking about how important prayer is in our walk with God and following God, that prayer is what transforms us, is our connection, is our conversation to God. That number drops down to 18%, say that they pray or read their Bible. Engage in any kind of Bible study at all, 18%. A couple other questions. They were asked, how many view religion as the source of guidance on right or wrong? That's any kind of religion. As the source of right or wrong, 23%. Only 23% that there's any kind of advice, any kind of a force there that should guide you in determining what is right and what is wrong. When asked, how many believe that there's, a, that there's even a standard for right and wrong? Is there any kind of a standard? Uh, only 30% of our community believes that there's any kind of a standard for right or wrong. Some of you may be surprised by that and some of you may not be surprised by that. And then as we, as we look into the stats again, we find that 68% believe that right or wrong depends on the situation. It sounds like me in junior high, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it depends on what's happening. This is our neighborhood. So that's the statistical information. But let me kind of give you some just personal, anecdotal. As I've talked to people, as I've shared Christ or just asked people, I love asking people, what do you think? What do you think? Jesus was a great question asker, and so I, I try to be good at asking questions. And the response that I've gotten from this neighborhood and, and, and traveling the bus to Seattle and just being around is that I'll, for many people, they, they think church is just irrelevant. They think that what we do is irrelevant, has nothing for them. No need to give any attention. There are a few that I've talked to that have confessed to me that they think that, uh, that, that religion of any kind is harmful. It is hurtful. And when I've asked questions about that, because I've experienced some hurt from church people in the past, right? And so I know that it's not dishonest. And I think especially 10, 20, 30 years ago, you would hear more stories of that. But just, and this is anecdotal, but when I've talked to people, Most of the people that I talked to about hurt, when I asked them, um, can you tell me, like, the situation? Did it happen to you? Or did it happen to a friend? When we got down to it, most of the people that that I've talked to, it's been second or third hand. Something they saw in a movie that gave them an impression. Or something that happened to a friend or a friend that they couldn't track back to. Now, there are people, it's been legit. 
And they said, yes, this happened, and it was awful, and it was terrible, and I apologize on behalf of all pastors, and, you know, I'm so sorry that happened to you. But what I'm finding is that for most people, they're so far removed from it that it's often a story or a friend of a friend of a friend or something weird they saw in a movie or something weird they saw on Facebook that's now up to 2 million likes and it's gone viral, but so far separated from being able to authenticate. Is that true? Is that accurate? Now, it doesn't mean their impression isn't real. And it doesn't mean that the amount of distance is not real. So we need to be aware of it. And then I've also come across something that breaks my heart. I've come across some people, as I've asked them their impression of church, by their answers, I've gotten the, I've gotten the answer of uh, they feel unwelcome. Un- unwelcome. Now, they've not met Natalie, okay? Because everyone who meets Natalie just walks away and says, I feel so welcome. And I would say that even here, that the general impression that I get from people who actually they're brave enough to walk through those doors and come here, the people I've talked to, they said they feel very welcome, very warm. And not just because of Natalie, but because of all of you, we're welcoming. We want to pull it in. But we need to recognize that when anyone is brave enough to walk through those doors, they've typically listened to three of my sermons. They've checked out our website. They've asked around, and they've done a lot of research, and they're showing up just to go, is it real? Are the things that they've said, is that real? And that, that, that feeling of not being welcome is real. I've talked to people that have said, you know what, once I take care of this problem in my life, then I'll come to church. And I'm like, well, man, then I would never go to church. They're like, you're a pastor. I'm like, I went to church to connect with the body of Christ because I need help. I need encouragement. I need people around me that are helping me through it. The church is not filled with perfect people. And if you walk and think it's a place with perfect people, that's not the body of Christ. Have you seen the disciples that Jesus picked? Have you seen the people that he pulled in? Have you seen me? We all walk in that imperfection, but we're here following the Lord, allowing his spirit to come in and transform us. But we are in process, and we're going to have times, you know, everyone has a time when they hit their hammer and they say something they wish they didn't say, or they responded in a time when they were tired and their emotions got the worst of them. Is it just me today? Right? No, right? We all, because we're, we're in process. But because we follow Christ, we go in, we put our hand on the shoulder and say, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? I'm committed to walking in relationship here. This is the welcoming nature that we need to have, that we need to walk in, but we need to recognize that so many people, they feel unwelcome. I had somebody come up and say one time, you know, if I'm divorced, am I welcome here? And my jaw hit the floor, I'm like, yes. But something happened that you had to question that. We need to be very aware that there is a vibe in our neighborhood that thinks if I've done anything wrong, I don't belong there, and all those people just think they're perfect. We're not perfect. We're filled with the presence of God, and we're walking, and we're being transformed, and we're being renewed. We don't justify sin. We deal with it so it can cleanse us and strengthen us and walk in us. But everyone is welcome. Can we all say yes and amen to that? Amen. Is everyone welcome? Yes, they are. Yes, they, everyone is welcome. We need to overcome this hurdle. There's a fear of judgment. I'm not your judge. God is my judge. And we walk to him through Jesus Christ who died for us. And as we receive and confess our sins, he fills us and transforms us. I'm here to point you to Jesus. 
Let's follow Jesus. Let's walk in him. We're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to grow in him. I'm accountable to you. You see something in my life. You need to come with me with grace and mercy filled in your heart after having prayed about it to say, Pastor Dwayne, I want to talk to you about something because I need that accountability. As one person sharpens the iron, it's all last week's sermon. Go back and listen to it. We need that. We need to walk in this together. But we need to recognize that our neighborhood, so many are unaware of that. And we need to own the responsibility to say, you know what? I'm going to communicate the love of God wherever I am. I'm going to be filled with the spirit of God. I'm going to be filled with his love. And if I'm on the bus, if I'm downtown, wherever I am, I'm going to communicate the love of Jesus and that all are welcome. Amen? Amen. Is that lighting you up? It lights me up. The thought of people who once felt that they were unwelcome coming in here and meeting everyone and saying, you are welcome. You are welcome. You are welcome. So that's our neighborhood. We got the call from God. We're looking at our neighborhood. That brings us to a response. Because faith without works is dead. (laughs) I'm not dead yet. (laughs) I got a lot of life in me that God's called me to do. So what do we do? Our response is to build a bridge. Jesus has called us to build a bridge. That's what this whole series is about. We need to be building a bridge. Jesus built a bridge wherever he went. He was always about connecting people. See, Jesus, he entered a culture that was confused about who God was. They were confused about who the Messiah was. So he built bridges. And how did he build a bridge? Well, we talked a little bit about this in that first week. The first thing he did was he, he, he shored up that strong foundation. See, Jesus, he was always pointing to the importance of the word of God. He was reading it. Jesus taught us that it is important to gather together. The Bible tells us that it was regular, his regular habit was coming together in the synagogue. Was the synagogue filled with perfect people? No. And they were especially aggressive towards him. But he still gathered because we need to, and Hebrews tells us this. Jesus strengthened a foundation by developing leaders. He picked his disciples, not perfect people, but he, but he brought them in. He developed that team and he brought in other people, developing leaders and even for us here at, at SCC, we are, we are all about developing leaders. And this year we're putting an, an especially uh, uh, strong focus in developing leaders because it's not about what Pastor Dwayne can do. It's about what we can do. But we need to move from a worker mentality to where it's, it's all just about what I can do to becoming an equipper, that Ephesians 4 of equipping the saints. You know who the saints are? All of you. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a saint. You are a saint. You're a great saint, Okay. They're around you. This is about equipping together and learning in that. We've got to move from that worker to that equipping. That's why everyone now is building, is building a team. All of our staff, all of our team, we're building teams. We have a children's ministry team of people that don't just do tasks, but they work together and they brainstorm together. And Pastor Lindsay's been doing an incredible job. Did you see the email that went out this past week about our leadership team? Just amazing. We're stronger together. Skills that I don't have that you have. And you're saying, can I use them here? And I'm like, yes, you can. Uh, we need them there. I'm not building my kingdom. I'm building God's kingdom. And God sent you here to build his kingdom. This is what we're about. And then moving from that point, going from the worker, going to the equipper, now going to the multiplier to where these leaders that we intentionally invest in, that we train, they're building their teams to go out because God has a work for us to do. 
And it's not about, Pastor Dwayne, you need to go out and do it. I'm like, no, you need to go out and do it. Let me invest in you. Let me train you. Let me put you with a team that can develop and encourage you. So many things. Now, I'm not talking about busy work. I'm talking about a vision that God has given us. He's instilled in our heart for his purpose. As I begin to talk this, people are bringing up ideas. And I'm like, let's invest in you. Let's train you. Let's get you developed so that you are equipped and have access to the things that you need to do to do what God's called you to do. And there's a process in that. Because we don't just send out mavericks, do we? We don't just go, fly, little one. We're like, do you have wings? Do you have what you need? Do you have a lunch? I mean, what do you, what do you need to, to be about what you're going to do? I'm a big lunch guy. That just, that's my love language, man. <laughs> Send your people out with a lunch. See what God will do. This is the vision. We invest. We don't send out mavericks because I don't want it to be about where we just send people out willy-nilly and we get this vibe that people aren't welcome here. You see what I'm saying? We invest in leaders. We deepen them. We train them. We develop. We, we, we walk in unity. The Bible says how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. We want to be on the same page. doesn't mean we always agree, but we're on the same page. We're walking forward. This is essential. This is that bridge. Because remember, What's the main cause of bridge failure? Foundation collapse. The main cause of bridge failure is foundation collapse. So we're putting a lot of attention to our foundation, but the whole purpose of coming together is so that we can build bridges. Because remember, as it relates to our community, we need to gather together. We need to be here, but we need to be out in our community because when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, most of his interactions happen outside of the synagogue. They happen outside of the church. Does stuff happen inside? Yes. Do we need to come together to be strengthened and encouraged and built? Yes. But it's for the purpose of going out and making disciples. So strong foundation, but his interactions were with people out in the world, out in the culture. And I think people, they were confused by this. They're like, don't you, don't you believe in what the prophets have written? And he said, look, don't misunderstand why I've come. I've not come to abolish the law and the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish the purpose. And part of that purpose is laying the bridge. There's a world out here that needs to be connected with God. God made every one of them. So we need to be building these bridges. See, Br Jesus, he built bridges in the workplace and the marketplace. That's where he met James and John. He didn't recruit him in a synagogue. He went out and talked to them, met them there. He met his disciples as they were casting their net. He met people in, in their homes, in Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus' brother, get out of that tree. I'm going to your house today. Let's talk about it. What are you climbing a tree for? Just so he could see. I know, I know. But now that you've seen me, I want to be with you. I don't want to be a God that you just see from a distance. I want to be up close to you. Let's go to your house. Hopefully Zacchaeus had a lunch. Right? He hung out with people at the wells. Everybody needs water. Everybody needs refreshment. This is where he met the Samaritan woman. The woman that was, he wasn't even supposed to be around. She's a Samaritan. He went to the water well. She went there hoping nobody would be there. Everyone else has gotten their water, and then she comes in, and Jesus is right there. He knew she'd be there, and he talked to her. He shared the love of God with her. We need to be there. 
This is the role of Jesus. See, when Jesus was interacting with people, as much time as I put into sermons, he wasn't giving people sermons. He was meeting them where they were and talking about, are you thirsty? Do you want a well that will never run dry? Are you hungry? You want the bread of life? He was interacting where people were, talking with them, connecting them. This is part of that John 1.14 where it says, And the word became flesh and it dwelt amongst us. The word became flesh and it dwelt amongst us where we are. We need this. Our city needs Jesus in us. And Jesus looked at all of us as followers of Christ and said, you're going to do greater things than this. You're going to do even more amazing things than this because I'm going to be in you. Are you ready to say yes to God? Are you ready to follow in my footsteps and do even greater things? That's because that's who Jesus is. He wants to do more in you, not less. See, the whole point of the incarnation of Jesus was about crossing over these boundaries, building these bridges. See, a lot of times I think we underestimate the value of proximity. Proximity, that relationship, being close to people is so important. And when I think about proximity, just by being around people, I think a lot of times it's like when your kids come, come in at night and they just lay across the foot of your bed, right? Are they looking for a sermon? No. <laughs> They're not looking for a sermon for me. They just want to be with you. Have you ever had someone just come in and just sit next to you and you went, Ah, I'm just glad you're here. See, that proximity, it changes us. Now imagine a fully devoted follower of Christ, filled with the Spirit of God, just being in community. Just being in community. Just being alive. That's what we're talking about. And I'll tell you this, most of my, the conversations I look back on, I say, God, you showed up. <laughs> you showed up right there. We're in situations just like this where I just sat next to somebody. Or I'm on a bus and someone sits next to me and the spirit of God burns in me. And some of the greatest moments have been as I've looked at the guy sitting next to me and I said, nice pair of shoes. That's all I said. Okay? So I deserve no credit. There's nothing intelligent about that. I acknowledge nice pair of shoes found out it was a drug dealer, and he ended up giving his life to Christ. That's not me. I'm not that smart. And I wasn't the first person that sat down next to him. God has a plan for every life, every soul, every drug dealer in Seattle to come to the full knowledge of Christ. We need to recognize our role. And sometimes your role isn't leading them... To Christ, it may not get to there every time, but it's opening up. There are people I've sat down next to, and I've just shared as it's come up. As I've talked about things, I've, I've kind of laid it down, and they didn't quite give their life to Christ yet. But that guy did. You need to recognize that your success in Jesus is being obedient in the moment. And just saying, and just being present with people. See, I've sat down to a lot of people, because I could go, well, that's our ministry. Go find the bus and go around saying, nice shoes, everybody, and they will give their life to Christ. That's not what it is. Right? It's about looking and seeing and just connecting and just having a conversation and just being real. But the whole time I'm praying, and I can't tell you how many times that's happened, but I've walked with an expectancy saying, God, help me today. Give me somebody that's far from you. 
that I can just share just something, just something, God. And sometimes it's something like that, and sometimes I get off the bus or walk on the street, I'm like, God, nothing happened today. I'm such a loser. I'm not listening to you. I'm not there. And he's saying, no, you, you walked. You were there. You're being obedient. I'm stirring a hunger in you. I'm stirring a desire in you. I'm changing you. It's about obedience. It's not about one person saying, I led three people this week. Well, I led two drug dealers, and I led, you know, it's not about that. It's about walking and just saying, God, what would you have me do? Being present with people, being alive in people. See, we need to be. These are places that are often referred to as third places. It's that third place besides work and home where, where we're just present with people, where they feel comfortable, where I feel comfortable just talking and just being. So as we look at us, we're still on community church, and I recognize I've gone a little bit long today because this is in my heart. As we've looked at it, as we build the foundation, as we've looked at the things that God has placed in our hands, the next bridge that I feel like God is calling us to intentionally build, are you ready for it? It's a coffee house. Are you shocked? Are you surprised? Are you like, where did Dwayne get that kind of a crazy idea? It's a stretch. You can have a latte, yes. It's a coffee house. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's just Dwayne's addiction. That's just what he loves and talks about and cries over all the time. I also like hockey, okay? We're not building a hockey team, but Seattle is, okay? I also like hiking. I also love kayaking. I love fishing. There's a lot of things. I love music. I love Jazz Alley. I love a lot of things. But when we look at what God has placed in our hands... In, and in an ever-changing city that we're involved, where the link light rail, I've got a picture up there of the map that, that, that shows our neighborhood. Can you, can you see that from where you are? Okay. There's Shoreline Community Church, that little yellow star on my map. We are just two blocks away from the transit center that will just be the other side of I-5. He's given us a building called the Hub that we own that is on what's going to be now be the central spine people going back and forth. There aren't a lot of coffee houses around. In the city of Shoreline, there are only six cafes where people can go in and sit down. In our culture, this is the modern well. This is where everyone is welcome. Children are welcome. Canadians are welcome. I'm Canadian, by the way, so that's not a, if you don't know that. Go, yeah. I'm a Canadian who cheers for the Capitals, so. There's only six cafes. These are our modern wells. Everyone's welcome. Men, women, children, kids. Where he's, a lot, he's given us what we've, we need. We have team, as we've pulled together the team, we have architects. We have people who are good at finance. We have people who are good at marketing. We have people who have run coffee houses and know what they're doing. God has even poured into my life to where I've been trained by two U.S. barista world champions. And I don't say that to point to me. I'm just saying, after a while, you start to see the fingers of God pointing and seeing things. A place where people can come in that third place, experience God. And not only that, in the neighborhood that we're in, as we've worked the finances very conservatively and walked through we recognize that we have a coffee house that can not only be reaching out, can not only be providing proximity of being with people, but also be generating funds that now we can take those funds and use them for missional efforts both locally and abroad. Using those as a coffee with a cause effort of where we're investing 
in our neighborhood, but also in people that we'll never see overseas. It's a place where we can provide lift opportunities. By lift, I'm talking about reaching people. And specifically, I've, I've been studying ministries that they've done this where they've reached out to teenagers that were on the edge that no one cared about. And they brought them in and they've taught them. They've taught them how to serve others. They've given them this skill. And now they've brought them from a life where they were headed for homelessness. They were headed for addiction. And now we've been able to raise them up through something as simple as a coffee house and teaching them how to do business. I've seen this with my own eyes. I've seen this in Seattle where people are doing this. And it's all for the point of the gospel. It's that bridge aspect. See, Mark Batterson says it this way. He says that it's in these third places where community bonds are established, where living life together becomes enjoyable, and where many people can contribute to societal decision-making. It's in that third place that we have those conversations. See, people, they may not feel welcome here, even though we're very welcoming, but everyone feels comfortable in a coffee house where you show up and you're just with people. Even as I've talked to people that are, in, that are out in our neighborhood, out in our community, in our cities, I've talked about it, who, are, who do not believe the same way that I do. They're like, a, a church would even consider something like this? You want to be with culture? You want to be in the marketplace? You want to be out and have a place where people can just come in? Pastor Dwayne, are, are, you didn't say Pastor Dwayne. They, they said, dude, are you going to be preaching every week in there? I'm like, no, I'm not going to preach in there every week. They're like, you want to be there? I said, yeah, I just want to meet our neighbors. I just want to be with people. And to us, that may seem like, well, of course. But to our culture, they're like, you, you just want to be with us? That's what shocked people about Jesus, that he just wanted to be with them. I want to be with you. I want to eat bread with you. I want to go to your house. Well, rabbis aren't supposed to go to this house. I'm going to your house. This is the call. This is our call. Everything is in place. The team is in place. In our annual celebration or business meeting, we're going to be bringing this to the membership in a greater way. We brought it to them on, on vision night this past Sunday night. But here's, here's what I would say. The Lord brings opportunities our way. We have an opportunity. This opportunity started over 80 years ago and even before that when it was established. I'm no longer content to look at a neighborhood. Every morning, I, every Sunday morning, I look out and I see people just running by, walking by, driving by, rolling by. And here's my prayer every Sunday. I'm like, God, may every roller, every stroller, every crawler, everybody walking out there, may they sense your spirit here. May they feel welcome here. Help us to connect. And now I feel the Lord leading us. And I want you to pray about it. I'm going to lead us in a prayer here. We need to be reaching our neighborhood. We need to be connecting with our neighborhood. We need to find strategic ways. And this is not the only one. I believe this is just one of many. And there are things that we're doing now. We do trunk or treat. We do the Shoreline Arts Festival because we just want to be out there with kids saying, we love you. You want to make some slime together. And that's made a difference. We go to celebrate Shoreline. This is Shoreline. We want to celebrate you. We want to celebrate our city. We do trunk or treat where we invite, we're in a neighborhood. Come in, get some candy, play some games. We want to just be with you. Can I tell you how many conversations I've had in that back parking lot? Whether I was dressed like a pirate 
or dressed like a hockey player one year, just like so many things. And, just, and people come up and they, and they say, you're a pastor. Yeah, why are you here? I want to meet my neighbors. I, wanna, I just want to be with you. I've had God moments on Halloween in our parking lot. Just very simple. God is teaching us. He is leading us. And as we walk forward and as we look at this, I'd like to invite you all to stand. And I want to end this time in prayer. And there's five, five key things that as we worship together, I want you to pray. And for some of these prayers, you may want to turn to the person next to you just during this time. But here's, 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 here's our prayer. Read that first bullet with me. That I will hear from God and know how he would have me grow and invest this year. That's my prayer, Lord. Lord, we want to hear from you. Just pray that out. Lord, we want to hear from you. I want to hear you. I, each of us, individually, we would grow and walk in you that we can hear you. And you would show us what you would have us do. In your name, Jesus. Let's read that second one together. That we, SCC, will hear from God and know how he would have us grow and invest that year. That's for us. Let's pray for us. Just speak out your prayer to the Lord. Lord, help us to hear you. Open our ears. Remove any distraction, any hindrance, any way, anything that would prevent us from hearing you as the body of Christ. We want to hear you as individuals. But Lord, as a body of Christ, what are you calling us to do? What would you have us to do? Using all of our talents, all the gifts that you've given us. Help us to see that and to walk in unity together, we pray. Let's read that third one. For our pastors, board, and leaders to diligently and wisely discern God's heart and follow it. Can we just begin to pray for all of our pastors, all of our leaders, all of our board members for wisdom? Father, we pray, I thank you for such a wonderful pastoral team. Our directors, a wonderful board. God, give us wisdom. Give us, let, the, let your faith rise up within us. That we can look at that mountain and just mountain be moved. Be moved. Any obstacle that we have between our gathering and our neighborhood, let it be removed. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your wisdom, oh God. We need you, Lord. Give us wisdom. Let's read that fourth one. For leader and ministry development in 2020, from workers to equippers to multipliers. Did you hear that in the sermon earlier today? Leader and ministry development. That's all of you. It's all of us working together. We have a discipleship team now that Dr. Kim has put together talking about how can we be more intentional about discipling, equipping people, whether it's one-on-one -on -one in their homes, one of their ones in the coffee houses, or in class settings. Let's just pray for that. Pray for, Lord, we pray for leaders and ministry development. God, that we wouldn't just be a bunch of workers. Lord, you've called us to work the field, but you've called us to work together, to equip, and Lord, then to multiply and to welcome that we can hear all the ideas, the things that we're missing. There's things that we're missing. We need to be connected. There's things I'm missing. I need to hear from you. And, and Lord, you speak through the body. So together, brothers, sisters, children, working together, developing that. And then this last one. Read it with me. For those 
for those who need to know Jesus. And for those who are coming to SCC and entering into our LAFPA family. What does LAFPA stand for? Love, acceptance, forgiveness, belonging. Pray for those yet to come. You heard the stats. You're talking to friends. This is the work of the Lord. We pray for them. Our brothers, our sisters. See, God made us as a soul to live forever. And he sent Jesus to die for us that we can be reunited and spend eternity with our Heavenly Father. I want you to begin to pray and I want you to think about who's someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus or is confused about Jesus or is separated from Jesus. Just begin to pray. Call their name out. Call their name out. Just begin to speak. Pray for them. Come on, church. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for those that are not yet here. Our brothers and sisters, those in our community. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would empower us and you would show us. And Lord, for some, it may be a family member that we've been praying for decades. There may be people in our life that they've said, don't say that to me anymore. Lord, we need your wisdom. Let our lives shine for your glory. We're not talking about coercion here. You don't coerce anybody. That's not what love is. Love is not coercive. But Lord, my heart breaks for the, a, a community to be connected with you. Those who need to know Jesus, the greatest, the greatest message for the word, the gospel, the good news, the great news, the awesome news. Help us to live it and to show it. In your name we pray. Amen. The worship team, they're going to lead us. I know we've gone just a little bit long, but the worship team is going to lead us in a song. And I want you just to keep, as they lead us in this song, just to worship the Lord, just to invite him to speak to you. And if you need to speak and pray with the person next to you, pray with the person next to you. If you want to go to the prayer wall and write it out, do that. But let's just take these last, just, just, just a few more minutes, and let's just dedicate this to the Lord. Let's continue to pray to the Lord together.